Um, the sermon message today is going to be coming out of Romans chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at starting at verse 8. And we're going to go all the way down to um, verse 15. So Romans chapter 8. I mean, Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 8. We're going to go down to verse 15. It tells us in God's word, starting at verse 8 in Romans chapter 1. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Again, Paul, the Apostle Paul is the one that has wrote this down in, um, here in Romans. So first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I mention you. Always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Verse 12, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brother, that I have often intended to come to you, but this far have been prevented. Thus far that have been prevented. In order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles, I am under obligation both to the Greek and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Verse 15 stops right before we get to the famous verse that a lot of us try to quote at times or might even get tattooed on us, Romans 1.1.6. So we stop right before it, and this is kind of setting the groundwork before we get to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Let me pray for us and let us dive into words together. Our Father God is in heaven. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for bringing us back again, Lord, in the house of worship. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to bless this time, Lord. Let this time be edifying for your church, for your believers, Lord, that for us to grow into your word, for us to be encouraged by your word, for us to see your glory in your word. Let this be about you, Lord, not about Creston, not about anybody else in here, about any thing outside of here, but Lord, let this be about you and you alone. Let you get the glory at this time, Lord. And though all of us in this room, we are all weak at times. We all have been through things this past week. Lord, help us, Lord, be reminded of you. Help us be encouraged by you at this time. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. As I was thinking about throughout the week about this text in Romans 1. We started the book of Romans last week and Paul was writing his letter to the Roman church. When somebody write a letter to someone, they'll write a letter to address the issue or to encourage somebody. I know, I know when someone, family member, go out to the military, right? They'll write a letter to a loved one to encourage them. The kids are doing great. The, the kids just started softball. The kids are made all A's. They'll let them know and encourage them or share with them what is going on. 
And Paul, in this unique letter, Paul is writing to this Roman church on various things. He's going to encourage this Roman church. And one way we see Paul does this in our text today, Paul is going to come out today explaining that what do he think about this Roman people? So before he starts diving in, talking about what he's going to be saying in the letter, he first wants to tell them how he feel about them. And he's going to share what he heard about them. This is important, right? When you're writing a letter to somebody, you're writing a letter, you come in already that, hey, you didn't do this, you didn't do this, you didn't do this. Man, I'm not going to read the rest of this letter. Somebody send you a text message, right? And they're just going in on you. All of it going in, it's a good chance you're going to go back in on them. But if somebody write a text message and they're trying to mention some good things about you, Zoe, you're amazing. Zoe, you did this for me when I was down. Thank you, brother. Hey, Greg, you the one that got them Giannis, right? You the one that did this for me when I didn't have anything. When I didn't have anywhere to go, you did this for me. You starting a letter like that off, now you want to share other things with them. Now they're so warm that they're taking in and say, okay, this coming from somebody that truly loved me. This ain't somebody that's trying to just tell me about myself or tell me all these bad things, whatever. This is somebody that truly loved me. So Paul does the same thing. He let the people know that he truly loved them. But first, Paul wants us to understand first, though, his relationship and what he knows about them. What are they known for? One of the actors that I'm kind of really just kind of watching all this movie right now. I might mess his name. Y'all help me out. Is it Liam Neeson? Neeson? Heist? Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson is known for his unique movie roles. And he's known for his unique acting skills of fighting with fighting and also in killing. He plays major role in suspense movie. I love suspense movie. I'm a little older than everybody in this room. So I got to watch a suspense movie at 3 o'clock during the daytime. If I watch it at night, I'm going to be up all night, right, tossing and turning. So I got to watch suspense movies like 2 o'clock in the evening and let my body kind of wear down throughout the day. So Liam Neeson movies keep me going. It's a suspense movie. He had a movie here recently called Memory. How anybody watch Memory? And the movie Memory was he was trying to take down these wealthy, dangerous criminals. But he was losing memory. Right? He was showing those different major tactics to be able to take them down. I, I, I want to show y'all a couple of the moves, but you don't have enough time. I will show you. But another move he played in that was pretty unique was a movie called Unknown. Anybody saw Unknown? Unknown. Unknown is another movie that he played a role in, and, and for him, his identity, right? He didn't understand his identity. He was fighting for his identity throughout the movie. And one of the most probably popular movie that really got me hooked on him in these movies is the movie called Taken. Anybody saw Taken? Taken was one of the movies that his daughter was kidnapped, right? And he, his daughter went on a, 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 a trip out of the country. I think it might have been a senior trip. Come on now, a senior trip? A senior trip out of the country and his daughter called him for help. And what did he do? He went all the way across the country and did whatever it took to get his daughter back. So what is he known for? This guy, Liam Neeson, is known for his fighting and shooting skills. And some of y'all, like y'all don't watch movies, y'all looking at me like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Let's talk about Drake, the stuff y'all listen to, all right? Drake. 
Drake is known for his singing and rapping, right? His unique style, he can get on certain beats, right? And just make and just bring it to live, right? Drake can do it. Some of y'all some Drake fans? Not too many of them. I ain't gonna say Megan, then I'll really get y'all attention then, right? Because y'all, I know y'all listen to that stuff. But for the most part, though, is that these people are known for certain things. So my question for us this moment, this morning, what are you known for? What are you known for, Rionica? What What are you known for, Dester? What are you known for, Greg? And somebody say, I say, hey, do you know this person? What would they say about you? Even as a Christian, even as a Christian, if somebody see you and they say, hey, this is what this person is, this is who this person is, what would they say about you? But today, Paul, today, Paul's going to share with us today what he know about this Roman church. What do you know about this Roman church? In the same way, family. As we walk through the test together, I want you guys to be thinking about as well for yourself and for myself. For us to be thinking about right here, what do people say about me? We know what Liam Neeson does. We know what Drake does. We know what different other artists does and movies and things of that nature. But what do you do? What is your life like? Are you known for a person that's trustworthy? A, a, a person that's a go-getter. A, a, a person that, that wants everybody around them to succeed around them. Are you a person that honors Jesus in everything you do? We can easily say that, yes, that's what I'm known for, but what about the people in the room? What about the people in the room? The people in the room should be able to, to, be able to describe you in that same way if that's really you. You go ahead and unplug it, right? So my thing here for us to be humble this morning, not that what we, what we think people should say who we are, but what are people saying who you are right now? Because family, if we're not known by the things of the word of God, family, we might be living a life contrary to the gospel. Yeah, we all here on Sunday morning. We all here, but who are we throughout the week? Monday through Saturday, who are we at work? Do anybody know you for knowing Jesus? Do anybody know you for your life that you're loving your spouse and living out the, the gospel before them? Do anybody know you for that? Well, I hope it's encouraging for you this morning how Paul describes this Roman church. So if I can name this sermon today, I would name it, What Are You Known For? What are you known for? And we're going to do it in three points this morning. Point number one is the Romans are known for their faith. Verse eight. Point number two. Paul is known for praying and longing to, longing to visit in spiritual wisdom in verses nine through 11. And point number three. Paul desired that they also be known for mutually Encouraging one another. With that being said, let's jump right in. During this time in history with the book of Romans, 
It wasn't any cell phones, right? It wasn't any Facebook, IG. It wasn't a way to communicate over cyber technology. They didn't even have a post office at the time. But they had other ways to deliver messages. So communication was different. But Paul wanted to encourage this Roman church. So he wrote this letter to the Roman church to encourage them. And last we will learn about Paul. As he wrote this letter, Paul explained to them that he was an apostle. Apostles, one had been set aside, been sent out by God. That Paul also shared with us that he's going to come and preach. He, he comes to preach the gospel, the good news. And the good news is that we all have sinned, right? And a Savior came and saved sinners. And he, he made things new. So Paul comes to preach the gospel, the same gospel of the Old Testament and the same gospel of the New Testament. And also that Jesus is the descendant of David. So Paul, as he wrote this letter, starts out with last week, that he's not preaching a different gospel. He's preaching the same thing in the Old Testament. Paul said, look at my credentials, bro. Look at my credentials. This is who I am. I'm a man of God. I'm saying everything that David has said. I'm saying everything that everybody in the Old Testament that our believers have said. I'm not preaching a different gospel. So receive these words, Romans. Roman church, listen to me. I am a true believer. Jesus has saved me on the road to Damascus. Listen to the words that I say to you. All of a sudden, I mean, during this time, you had a lot of false teachers and stuff at the time as well. You guys remember Simon Magus and Acts. You had a lot of Judaizers. You had a lot of false teachers going on. So Paul starts his letter out with, hey, I ain't no false teacher. This is who I am. I'm preaching the same gospel. I'm preaching about the same Jesus. I'm preaching about the same kingdom to come. I'm preaching about all these things. Hey, listen to me. I'm just part of y'all. We fam. We family. Think about a family reunion, right? You know, we have our family reunion on July, around about July the 4th every year. You have cousins come up there. You never even met them before. You never even met them. You got cousins coming up. And they say, hey, how you doing? They say, how you doing? And they say, now, who are your folks? I'm related to, I'm related to Susan May. I'm related to, to Con, 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 Con Sella or y'all know y'all cousin name. Y'all know cousin name in England. You know all them names. Y'all got down there. But somebody would say, hey, I'm related to this person. Then all of a sudden, you say, oh, yeah, I'm related to this person, too. That's my great aunt. The next thing you know, all of a sudden, it's a bond there. Now, now it's a connection there. It's a family connection that now you better receive that person. Paul does the same thing in his letter here. He starts his letter off with some things that they can relate to and say, hey, now, look, we're related to each other in the gospel. And as he do this, he's setting this all up for him, for them to trust him as he share with them about what does it mean to be a Christian and walking out the Christian life. And we see this in point number one. Paul starts off in verse eight. He said, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Paul starts off this word first. You look down in Romans, it never says second or third, does it? Paul reminds me of so many people that are scatterbrained. You start something off, and you want to come back to it, you get it scrapped and go to something else. And so Paul, he starts off with first, and he gets excited about it, and he doesn't go to second and third, nowhere in this. He starts with the first. To show some courtesy to them. Again, he's showing some greeting towards them. 
and Paul shares with them, first of all, is that because of your faith to proclaim in all the world. So Paul is thankful for their boldness. Because their faith in Jesus is proclaiming all the world. So Paul was hearing about the Roman church was thriving and it was starting to spread throughout the world that the Roman church is a faithful church. It took a lot of the Lord of Paul. That the church is doing the ministry of the gospel, not just Paul. The church is preaching the gospel and taking the gospel forward. Think about this. And Rome was the place where Caesar lived. Rome was the, if you guys in history, some of you guys historians, scholars in here, in history, the greatest empire they always said was what? What empire? They always said the Roman Empire was the greatest empire ever. Well, during this time of the Roman Empire being the greatest empire ever, the Roman church was here. The Roman church was in the midst of a brutal Roman system. The Roman system had this thing called a four quarters. If somebody that didn't do well, or somebody that broke the laws, whatever the case may be, they have four horses, and they'll tie their limbs up, their arm, both arms up, and the legs up to the horse, and they'll hit the horse, and for the horse to just go different ways. That's how brutal the Roman system was. What we see here in the text. The Roman church wasn't afraid of them. The Roman church was faithful that Jesus was the only one that can save, not Caesar. They wasn't scared of Caesar. They were the faithful people. And that gospel that they were preaching was spreading everywhere. So they're sharing the good news of Jesus. So these Romans are known for their faith. So the word faith is actually a noun. The verb form of faith is the word believe. Believe and faith is the same word, pistos. So these people are known for their belief. They are believing in Jesus. And not just believing in Jesus by word only. They are living it out. They are serving one another. They are loving one another. And family, their faith was starting to spread. So the first question I have for us today, as the title of this message, family, what are you known for? Right now in this room, are you known for your faith? Are you known for living out your faith but for others? We live in a day and age that, are, that people are Christian based upon word only. We have made this synonymous. To be American is to be a Christian. To be American is to be a Christian. That's what we have brought Christianity to today. That everybody's a Christian now. That everybody's a Christian. Many say they believe in Jesus, but never submit to him. Or they pick and choose what day they want to submit to him. Folks, the Roman church was different. The Roman church is known for proclaiming the gospel and living out the gospel message. So family, for us in here this morning, are we Christians just in word only? Are we Christians because we're living out the gospel message how we treat each other? How we talk to each other? How we help one another? How we serve one another? Family, we got to get past all this talking that we're Christians. Family, we got to live like it. The church has been a place that has caused so much harm in the past throughout history. 
but the church would be a safe place. How many more times are we going to hear about molestation in the church? How many more times are we going to hear about adultery in the church? How many more times are we going to hear about slander or stealing or all these different things in the church family? If the church is not a safe place for people, where is a safe place for them? Family, we ought to be heaven on earth. We should be turning this block around and seeing us loving each other, how we serving one another. So family, the Roman church got it. The Roman church, they lived it out. They loved one another and the gospel spread. I don't think the gospel was spreading because just Sunday morning. I think the gospel was spreading because Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, that they were living it out to each other, loving one each other, putting up over each other's house, caring for each other. Calling each other out. Hey, bro, what you did was wrong. Hey, sis, what you did was wrong. And we put what? Shaking hands, loving one another. Family, we got an opportunity to be that church. We got an opportunity to be that people here at Christ Redeemer Church. But family, are we known for that right now? Think about that just for a second. Think about that for just for a second. Second, are we known for that right now as a church right now? If we're not known for that, family, let us be a people that we're striving to be that. We are striving to be that. And it first start with the individual person first. You want to see love in the church? How about you start it? How about you start it right now? You start the love in the church. You want to be a church that's sacrificial? A church that, that is welcome to children? You start it. You be the first one to lead in this. And as you do it, and as you do it, as this person do it, and this person do it, family, that's how you see a community of people that are mutually together in faith and loving each other and living it out before each other. And that's when you see a Roman Empire turn upside down. Real quick, I disagree with so many historians. Many historians say the Roman Empire collapsed because of the economic collapse. It was so much going on with the church and the state and all these things, bad business deals, it collapsed. Family, I don't believe that. Let me tell you a secret what I think. Y'all say, well, Crescent Big, on he doing conspiracy theories now, right? But stick with me. Listen to this. This is what I think what happened to the Roman Empire. The Christian church started to spread in the first century. And it started to spread like a wildfire. And what happened is, by the second and the third century, majority of the Roman area became Christianized. The Christian gospel spread so much, the Roman church, I mean, the, the Roman uh, the government, for them, they're looking at it, and they're seeing that, well, the church, the majority of the people in Rome now are Christians. So what did Constantine do? Constantine said, hey, the best business deal in this thing is, well, let's right now, let's honor the Christians, let's honor the Romans, let's see how this thing works together. And what happened, the Christian church thrived even more. And you can look about the 3rd or 4th century. The 3rd or 4th century, almost from Rome up to northern Ephesus, all the way to Africa, northern Africa. You guys ever heard of the Nubian kingdom? It was a Christian kingdom. The Ethiopian kingdom was Christian kingdom. All these places were starting to be Christianity. 
Christianity was the majority place. And now I believe when the gospel spread, the Roman Empire started to decline. Then the Roman Empire began to turn into the Roman Catholic Church. Eventually, the Catholic Church raised up at the Church of Rome. Let's show you the power of the gospel. Then that's when Islam came up right after that. When the gospel spread so much, is a group called the Ebonites. They didn't agree with the, the issue of who Jesus was, so they started their own belief system, eventually started Islam. It was the Christian church spreading. Somebody didn't like who Jesus was, and they started their own Islam, own other group. It was Christianity that was spreading like crazy. So how was the world turn, world turn upside down? Because of the gospel. Point number two. So what is Paul known for? We know that the Roman church is known for their faith. Point number two. Paul is known for praying and longing to visit in spiritual wisdom. Look at verse nine. For God is my witness when I serve with my spirit and the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I mention you, always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed and come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Now we learn Paul is known for as well here. That God is his witness that Paul has not stopped ceasing to mention the Roman church. Paul does not like any particular in a way of, let me just pray for them, you know, once every blue moon. Paul, like everywhere he went, he had mentioned the faith of this Roman church. But also not only mentioned the faith of them, Paul also is known for other things here. He doesn't just mention them. Paul is known for praying for them. He wants to be around them. He's not like, I pray for y'all on the way out back. No, Paul continued to pray for them. It's like, I pray for y'all, but also I want to come see y'all to pray for you more. So Paul's heart is for the people here. It's for this church. He wants to taste and see heaven on earth through these Christian brothers. So Paul is already letting them know, though, is that I pray for you and I want to come see you. And I want to impart some spiritual gift to strengthen them here as well. A guy named Joel Beatty mentioned this. Some take this to refer to those miraculous gifts the Lord conveyed through the apostles. But it may simply refer to his desire that the Lord will strengthen them in the faith through his ministry among them. I take is the way Beaker takes it. That Paul strengthened them by being amongst them. Paul can wait to be around them. So Paul can wait to be around them to encourage them in Christ. So family, my question be for you and for myself. Are you known, known for longing to see each other on the Lord's day? When you got up this morning, when you long and say, I want to be with them this morning. I want to be with my brothers and sisters this morning. Let me be real. I know sometimes we get on each other's nerves. Let's keep it real. Sometimes we get on each other's nerves. We do. Don't miss Sean. Sometimes we do as family. Everybody got family. Everybody got siblings. We get on each other's nerves sometimes. But family, we shall always eager to see each other, to strengthen each other. We shall always long to see each other and strengthen each other. And the manifold wisdom of God, he has implanted it into the church. If you don't like the church, you don't like God. This is God's wisdom as the church. He has put the church, the Christian people together. This is the wisdom of God. 
If you don't like the church, you don't like God's wisdom. I'm not, again, I'm not saying you don't like the church because people get on your nerves. You can still love the church and say, oh, here they go again. But for the most part as Christians, one way we know you love Jesus is how you love the church. And, and for you to think about it then, when somebody said miss a Sunday morning, when somebody there not here on a Sunday, what happened though is that it's not that, okay, you know, let me get on to them and everything. They're not here on Sunday, whatever the case may be. The person that missed, they should be feeling empty like, wow, I'm not there to be encouraged or I'm not there to encourage another brother. Because family, when you miss, family, we miss that wisdom from you. Or, or we miss the way we can encourage you. There's no better example in the world. You can try your best to try to look at TV and try to find that safety or whatever the case may be. That ain't how God designed it to be. God designed it for us to be able to see each other, to do it. It's his wisdom to be able to do it. It's something special about being amongst each other. Because being amongst each other, we can see things. We can, we can also see things. We can also challenge people. We can do a lot more things together than away. So family, are we like this Roman church? Are we like Paul here? Are we longing to see each other? Or like, oh, here we go. I got to get up this morning. Family, we need each other. All of us need to be reminded of God's mercy, his grace. All of us need to be reminded because some of us just cut some folks out last week. We need to be reminded of everything what we said was wrong, what we did was wrong. A lot of time when we're not together, a lot of time those things doesn't get brought up again. But being around the church, how was your week? When you get a promotion or you're looking for a job interview, all these certain things is happening, the church can be praying for you. So family, Paul was longing to see them, longing to pray for them. Family, let that be our heart here, Christ Redeemer. Let that be our heart. That we are longing to pray. We are longing to see one another. And the last point, Elijah blinked three times like I'm out of time. Paul desired that they also be known for mutually encouraging one another. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. That's not a one-person one, one love type deal in the church. Family, it should be mutual. It should be mutual. As I see Zoe love me, I need to be loving Zoe even more. Then Zoe need to love me back even more. Family, we should be outdoing each other in love. No, I'm not going to let you love love me. I'm going to outlove you. Family, think about that mentality. We're trying to outdo each other in love. How can hate stand? It can't. It can't. And we outdo each other in love. Not in a way of every now and then, every single time, every single time we around each other. What does it mean to say, no, I, I got the trash. No, I got the trash. I got the floor. I got this. I got this. What does it mean to outdo each other in love? Family, hate cannot live. It can't thrive. Gossip can't thrive. Slander can't thrive. So, family, let us be a church that is mutually. It's encouraging each other. It mutually Building one another up in the faith. Paul's right here wanting to build one another in the faith. 
and Paul has been trying to come, come to see them, but something has always come up. But this is what he desired to do. When he gets there to them, this is what he desired to see and do. And Paul desired to reap some harvest when he do come to them. Matthew Poole says this, he hoped the gospel should preach among them would have good success and bring forth fruit in them as it had done in other churches in the Gentile. Paul was looking forward to seeing the fruit that came from the seeds that are planted. What about you? Do you look forward to come and see the seeds you have planted? I remember the encouraging words that I heard from Jerry Zoe and uh, Greg this week. I, I, I just remember that. And I'm, and I'm better by those conversations. I'm better by it. And I'm pretty sure these brothers are here this morning to see, man, my brother's doing well this morning. Family, we should look forward to all the, the seeds that were planted as we encourage one another. We're looking forward to how do the brother and sister respond to my encouragement. So family, we should be looking forward every Sunday or every Monday, whatever day we're around, we should be looking forward to all these things that we have said to encourage them to see the fruit that come from it. And Paul didn't discriminate. He desired what he reaped. What he reap? Paul describes here two different types of groups here. The Greeks and the barbarians. The, the Greeks were known as the, the scholarly class. The barbarians were, they were Greek people, but they're called more the ravished people. So Paul tells us in verse 14, I'm under, I'm, I'm under obligation both to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. Paul said, hey, you're going to get it. What's the guy in the boss of Adrian Bronner? What did he say, famous word? You going to get that word or something? But one of the things he said he's going to get, Paul was like, it don't matter if you're Greek, you're poor, you're rich, whatever the case may be, I ain't discriminate on the gospel. That you're going to get it regardless of who you are. I'm not going to discriminate on it. So Paul said, when he comes there, that he wanted to be able to see the gospel preached. He wanted to be able to see them respond. He wants to see some of them that are Greek and barbarian respond. He wants to see some of them that are Christians that are faithful with the gospel already. Seeing barbarians converted, seeing Greeks converted, seeing wise people converted, foolish people converted. That's what Paul wants to see. And Paul answers right here. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. So not only he said to the believers here and to those other believers also in Rome, when I get there, they're going to get the gospel again as well. So family, as we end here today, let's end with some application here. First application we're going to end with here is truly be honest with yourself. Write it down, put it in your phone. What do people say about you? What do people say about you? And right beside that question, write it down in your phone, put it in your phone. What do people say about you? All right? And after that, are those things true? Are those things true? And after you get those things and you evaluate all those things true, get with a brother and sister to help you walk this out. If you're struggling, that you're known as a procrastinator, you're known as a 
whatever the case may be, be honest. Or somebody said it. Find a brother and sister that you can be transparent with, that can help you. So you can be known not as a procrastinator, but you're known as a person to get things done on time. Number two. What steps are you going to take to outdo one another and love one another? What steps are you going to take to outdo each other and love one another? Last thing right here. We must not discriminate on who we give the gospel to. We must not discriminate on who we give the gospel to. Family, we shouldn't share the gospel with people that are just are wealthy. We shouldn't share the gospel with people that are poor. I hear so many stories. People say, oh, bless them in Palm Bluff. They're just, I'm glad you're there to help Palm Bluff. The poor people, they need your help. No, Palm Bluff need Jesus. They're like the red folks need Jesus. <laughs> I'm not a savior. Jesus is a savior. And so it don't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter. Because you got to, it doesn't mean because there's a father and a mother in the home. That don't mean that home, that home is, a, is a home that's uplifting Jesus. It can be a single mother at home, loving Jesus, raising the kids well, and love Jesus more than a family of a married couple. So family, let us not discriminate and say, well, these people are lost because they're poor. No family, the people that own businesses, a lot of them are lost as well. So family, we shouldn't discriminate and be intimidated. Oh, they're rich. I'm going to be intimidated to come to them. When we go to poor people, things of that nature, we are just free as all get out to share the gospel with them. Family, we shouldn't discriminate. We should better give the gospel to whoever the Lord bring in our paths. Amen, amen. Let me pray for us.